everybody. Welcome back to the brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. You know me. My name is Mac, and thanks for coming back for episode 30. Uh, it's a milestone. 30 episodes into this. Absolutely crazy. Um, before we get into the new episode, I wanted to thank Chelsea Brookhole for last week's episode. Chelsea, that was so much fun and so awesome, and we had a great conversation about the physical and emotional uh, effects of narcissism. I love the term euphoric recall. I've been looking into that over the last week because I've heard a lot about it, but I never really truly understood it until you know you and I talked. Such a cool episode. Thank you so much for doing that. And uh, you guys need to check that episode out if you haven't already. So this week, I want to tell you guys just a quick little story. So a friend of mine who has never been in a narcissistic relationship before, he likes my podcast, but you know, just because we're friends. So he calls me one day and he says, I'm annoyed. <laughs> and I go, why? And he goes, because I don't understand why you guys don't leave when everything is going wrong. And I was like, well, uh, I don't know. I was like, it's, it's, it's a lot to talk about. And so he goes, what I'd like to do is I'd like to hear from somebody who's still in their narcissistically abusive relationship. So I said, okay, and enter in my guest this week, Rebecca. Now, Rebecca is still in her relationship. She's still married to her narcissist and is still very heavily trauma bonded. That being said, I got to meet up with Rebecca about a week ago um, on a lunch break in New York City. And we got to, uh, you know, talk about the episode we recorded and um, just super, super cool. And I'm very grateful that we got to meet. Uh, she's absolutely awesome. I know you guys are going to like this episode. And buddy, this episode's for you. So check it out. All right, everybody, welcome in to a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. I am here with my new friend, Rebecca. Rebecca, say hi. Hi, everyone. So uh, Rebecca is here because, so I have a friend who listens to the podcast, okay? And you know who you are if you're listening. Hey, buddy, what's up? So my friend has never been through a narcissistically abusive relationship. However, he likes my podcast because we're friends. So he calls me one day and he listens to one of my episodes and he goes, bro, he goes, I'm fucking pissed. And I go, what's the matter, dude? And he goes, I listened to your newest episode and keep in mind, like I said, he's never been through an abusive narcissistic relationship, but he goes, why don't you fucking people leave? I don't understand. He goes, I listened to your episode. I listened to the person you interviewed and he goes, why the fuck don't you guys leave? And he goes, what I'd like to do is I would like to hear from a person who is still in a relationship and talk about why they don't leave. So enter Rebecca, here she is, and we talk on Instagram, and she's a friend of mine, and Rebecca is an avid listener to the podcast, and she's still in her relationship. So I wanted to bring her on, I wanted to talk about her relationship, and I wanted to talk about what keeps you there. And buddy, if you're listening to this, this one's for you. So hi, Rebecca, I'm so glad you're here, and I'm sorry that I'm using you as an example, but I guess, you know, it serves the purpose, and... um. You have a great story. Not for nothing, you have a great story. So I'm excited that you're here. So um, where do you want to get started? Well, we all have a purpose, right? I guess maybe mine is sharing this. But um, to your friend, I would say we're sort of trying to figure it out for ourselves why we stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've been there and, you know, the blinders were on for years and years and years. And it wasn't until... I realized that like, it, it sucks to say, but it, it really truly is like abandon all hope, it, abandon all hope, you know, but we'll get into that. I'm sure we'll get into that, but let's get a little bit into your story first and we'll get to that part of the story too. Yeah. And I'm sure you still ask yourself why you stay too so much. So, but yeah, so I'll just real quick, I'll say that how I found your podcast was 
So before I was with my husband, I actually was in another narcissistic relationship right before him and didn't know that it was narcissism and <laughs> sort of discovered narcissism in the last couple of years and sort of had that kind of same thing you did with, oh my God, that's what this is. So wait a minute, that's what that was. <laughs> but with my first relationship, I just knew that I knew I needed to be out of it. I'm not going to go into the details of that relationship because that's like a whole other episode. But I just knew I needed to be out of it. And we would break up and we weren't living together and we would break up. And I'd be like, yes, he broke up with me. I'm out. I'm done. I don't have to be the one to do it. I just can't break up with people. I just can't do it. I've never broken up with anybody. I'll teach you. <laughs> <laughs> my boundaries are so high right now. Yeah, I'll teach you <laughs> because I protect the hell out of my sanity. Yeah, I would be so excited that he broke up with me. And then he would, quote unquote, I'm air quoting here, forgive me and take me back. And I'd be like, oh, man, and I really didn't want to go back. And I would be like, oh, God, but I feel bad. Like, how can I hurt his feelings? And then eventually it just ended and we have a son together. So um, and we actually pretty much have no contact. We have uh, somebody that is in between. And my son is 12, almost 13. So he has his own phone and he makes his plans. And we have, so there's no issues there. So enter my husband. So we've been together for nine years. We met online and it's sort of funny. The red flags were like immediate. And I literally just ignored every single one of them, every single one of them. So we met online and after talking online for about a month, we decided to meet in person on a date and we lived about an hour away from each other. So I drove out to where he lived and we we went on a date. It was fantastic. It was great. We continued to talk. We went on another date. And after the second date, I started getting these weird calls. And so I finally answered one of them and because I really don't answer weird calls. And it was a woman and she was like, I think you're dating my husband. And I was like, um, okay, I need more information. Well, turns out it wasn't her husband. It was her boyfriend. She was like, we have two kids. One was his, one was hers. They weren't each other's. They didn't share any children. And she started calling me every single day and I immediately hung up with her and had called him and was like, listen, I don't know what your deal is, but I'm, I don't want any part of this. Like I'm a mom of three. I don't need this in my life. And he kept calling and he's like, no, I've gone, I'm going through a bad breakup and it, she's just not taking it. I was like, I get it. Cause I pretty much have just done the same thing myself. I totally get that. But I said, the fact that she had access to my phone number is, is a big deal for me and said, and I don't need any trouble with my children. How did she get your phone number through his phone? I'm his phone, I'm assuming. So I actually was like, listen, you know, if you're ever, if, if this situation clears up and we meet again, who knows what will happen, right? Mm -hmm. Totally ended it. No questions asked. I was like, so proud of myself too. After just, I was like all about the boundaries, just coming out of this other relationship. Fast forward a year and a half and I'm. You know, I've gone on a few dates with other people. I'm like in a super great place. I'm focusing on myself. Um, I'm doing really, really well. I have an amazing therapist and I'm scrolling online. And who do I come across? In himself. <laughs> I often call him that. <laughs> so, so we started talking again and he's like, yeah, no, I um, like that's totally done. I live on my own now. And I was like, well, what about your daughter? Because he had sole custody of his daughter. Her mother left her life as an infant and he had 
been raising her on his own. And at this point, she That's was not the woman who contacted you. No, she was not the mother of his child. Ah, okay. Then so his his child's mother left when the child was about seven months old, okay. and and um she she had no part of of his daughter. And so I, I was I said, you know, well, what about your daughter? And he's like, she's with my mom right now while I'm getting settled, and you know, I just don't like I'm working all the time, and I want her to have stability. I was like, I get that. That's cool. You're a single dad. It's harder for dads than it is for moms which is not necessarily the case, but you know, very understanding. Not so, at all. <laughs> so yeah, so he was like, can we get together again? So I was like, all right, we'll give it a try. So we did, we got together, it was great. Like we started dating, we were seeing each other on the regular. That was probably around July of 2013. And then, so we were seeing each other for a few months. And in October, I decided, to introduce him to my kids. And I know, I mean, I've heard some of your opinions about how quick it is to introduce people to the family and stuff. But for me, I feel like someone has to be introduced casually maybe to your kids. I would say at some point, because if your kids just aren't into them at all, that can be a deal breaker, right? You but I guess everybody, everybody has their own, and, and I was feeling good about it. Like, you know, you to me, to me, I think of the end game, right? And like, to me, the end game is if we don't work out, then it's bad for the kids because then you have to explain to them why we didn't work out and that shouldn't be their problem. So for me, it's six to 12 months. And I think that seems like a pretty standard thing, but I never thought about it that way, how you just explained it. And, you know, there is some merit to that. I don't know. I, I'd have to take some time to think about that. Yeah, no. And I, I also, I also, um, think a lot about about your your rule too and i think i probably am going to be changing mine in the future <laughs> like you almost talked me out of it you me out of it. <laughs> but in any case so so yeah so it was around october i invited him to come over and i'm gonna tell you quickly about the story when he came over because it sort of plays in later i invited my husband or then we were dating over to hang out with the kids we were doing a family game night and just to come over casually and meet the kids. And so I was getting ready and he was about an hour away. He was on his way and um, I come out of the bathroom and my son's father, my ex, my first next, <laughs> in the hallway at my house. And I was just, I was kind of su surprised. And I said, you know, what are you doing here? And he didn't really have an answer. And I said, well, you know, I'm dating someone and he's coming over to see the kids. And he didn't know about this and I didn't explain it to him because we had such little contact and because of his toxic, like his toxic personality, I just avoid him at all costs. And he doesn't really have participate in raising my son. He just shows up for visits. I call him Uncle Dad. So he he visits my son once a month for like, like one overnight. And this is how it's always been. And at that time, he was only taking him for the day because he was only three. And I have my reasons for keeping it that way. So he can't handle any more than that. Anyways, so I, so he, now he's upset. And he did have a few items that belonged to him and his, his landscaping business in my garage. He's mad and he wants to get him out. And at the same time, my, um, the, my husband pulls me a driveway. So I'm like, oh my God, I just, I'm freaking out. So I got into the car and I was like, listen, he's here. 
Um, I don't know why he came here, but he, he wants to get his stuff out of the garage. Would you mind just taking a ride for like 10 minutes and coming back and just... And my thought for doing that was, you know, I don't want two men arguing. I don't, like in my driveway, I don't know what this is going to lead to. I've never been in this situation before. I'm completely shocked that he even showed up. Yeah. And, um, and I was like kind of mortified and... So I just, you know, I just wanted some space. Just let him take his stuff and go and whatever. And then we'll figure out what to do with the rest of the, the evening. So so he did. He left. And the reason I tell you that is because that he seemed so cool about that right there. He handled it so well. But it has haunted me for the rest of the years of this marriage. So, yeah. So I don't even know what to say about that. I don't know what to say about that. It's weird. I don't, I'm trying to think of like the reasoning, but I can't come up. With I think he knew. I think he had a gut that I was dating somebody, and he showed up to see if maybe he could. You know, the term I've learned through your podcast, Hoover me back in one last time. <laughs> Interesting, <laughs> huh? Okay. <laughs> so, the, we went about the night. We continued to have the game night. It went fine. Then he left. He went home. Whatever. And the relationship continued on. Now, that was in October. So now fast forward to Christmas. He had brought me to meet his mom um, in in November, right before Thanksgiving. And family was really nice. Um, they were really sweet to me. And then fast forward to Christmas, he said he was going to have his daughter and he was going to bring her over and he wanted us to go to um, his mom's. But I didn't have any of my kids. My son was with... My my son was with his dad, and my girls were with my grandmother. Because I don't re- I'm really, I'm not like big on the holidays, so I just let the kids always do what they want to do. Okay. So, so I was like, yeah, sure. So he came with his daughter, and we went down to his mom's for for the Christmas day, and then and came back, and she lives about three hours away. And then the week after Christmas. He, so he was staying at my house that week. He was sleeping over with his daughter. And then all the kids were playing together. And it was like a few days after Christmas and we were hanging out. The kids were playing. We were watching a movie. And my phone starts to ring. To <laughs> hey. the phone and it's the same woman. And I was like, she's like, he still lives with me. Oh my God. I'm looking at him, and I was like, you, "You've got to be kidding me! What is going on here?" And she, she was very vulgar on the phone, and there was, you know, so I, I yeah, who worked to hit him? To me, to me. Um, and then the text messages start. But she didn't know that you didn't know. Yeah, apparently, shame on me because I should have known from the first time she called me a year and a half before. But she should know that the person she's with is a manipulating asshole liar. It didn't matter. And what I've come to understand, I did a lot of blaming her because of her lifestyle and the way she approached me. And I was definitely learned that I was wrong for that. I definitely think she and I are extremely different people. I there's it's funny because there's a song and it's and the, the, the lyric is I met your girl and what you see in her, you don't see in me. And I'm like, I'm always like, yeah, I don't get it. Uh-huh. So, so for about a month after that, he's like trying to convince me, listen, so come to find out his daughter, he was still living with her and so wasn't his daughter. And he was like, 
you know, I'm really, really sorry. He's like, we're not together. But I just, he's like, you know, I was by myself with my daughter and she knows her like a mom and I didn't want to just rip her out of there and I didn't know what to do. And we're like, but we're not in a relationship. And I'm like, now here I am. I've been hooked. <laughs> and you know, it's funny that his daughter wouldn't spill the beans. Yeah. Oh, well, there was a couple things that did happen. There was a couple things that did happen that were red flags. Like one time we did go to his mom's and his daughter wasn't there. And I said, where's your daughter? Because she's supposed to live there. And he said, oh, she's at church with my aunt. They're on a, like a church retreat. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, that's plausible. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just rolled my eyes for the listener. Uh, that's cool. So, yeah, there was, just, there was a couple things. Um, but. You know, the other thing, too, is we were dating and we were getting more serious, but we weren't living together. We lived an hour away from each other. So we weren't on top of each other all the time for me to see everything. So for the next month, she just this woman insanely stalked me. She actually and to this day, I have never found out how because my son's father is not on any type of social media. He never has been. And he lives an hour away in the opposite direction somehow found him and his phone number i will never figure out how and called him and told him that i was sleeping with her husband and she was going to have me killed and he got scared and went to my dad because he was like if something happens to you they're gonna blame me <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I mentioned to you one time I had a girlfriend who was in a similar situation and she said, you know, when we tell people these stories, they look at us like we're crazy and we're just like, yeah, that was Tuesday. If somebody kills you, they're going to blame me. It's like, oh my God, you're missing the major plot point here, kid. <laughs> so my dad was like super upset. He was like, what's going on? And it was, it was all this drama and I was, I had so much stress and anxiety about it. And I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to be with you. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, I really, we're really not together. He's like, she's crazy. I mean, he had me convinced she was crazy. She had me convinced she was crazy. She called me oh, literally, no exaggeration, a hundred times a day, every single day for weeks. And I finally called the police and they called her and told her like, listen, you have to stop. And then she started sending me pictures of ultrasounds saying she was pregnant. But, you know, I had had already had three children by now. And the ultrasound was definitely an ultrasound from like 1990-something. It's like one of my mom's ultrasounds. You Googled it. Nothing else. <laughs> so I was like, it, like, yeah, so whatever. So that now we're into 2014. So in March of 2014, he was like, listen, I think we should just move in together. Like, we really want to make this work. How long into the relationship was that? So it was, um, we had been seeing each other since July of 2013. So six, seven, eight, nine months. Okay. He was like, I don't want to move my daughter all around. We've been coming there. So I was like, all right. So we'd been going through two months of this craziness. And I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> I believe so much. It's, it's like you're in those situations, right? And you're like, all right, fucking, yeah, whatever. <laughs> You know, trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because my son's dad had been crazy too. So there's also probably a part of you that thinks like, if you move in with them, this is going to solve some of the problems, you know, yeah. like, okay, now we're, now we're like 
exclusive and we're committed and like this is us. you know there is no you on this side of the world and me on this side of the world now we're together we're enmeshed and this should make things better yeah i could be into that for sure for sure and i'm a fixer i'm a nurturer it's who i am by nature so and you know and here i am worried about this little girl whose mother left when she was little i have three children of my own um and and my girl and my older girls their father left when they were little but that there he had severe mental illness um he had yeah so you know so i i'm like i'm soft to that you know like she needs a good mother figure and you know and you need you need a good partner and i'm a good partner and i think you're gonna be a good partner so so we moved in together and i was still getting calls and texts sporadically and then so in may we went away on a weekend trip to so i'm from new england and we have a lot of little islands up here we went away on a weekend trip with my family to one of the islands and when we came back now real quick when he moved in he came without a car because they had had only one car and it was in her name so he came without a car so i had take took money out of my 401k and bought a second car i had a brand new car i had a brand new jeep love my jeep it got totaled later. Why couldn't he buy his own car? So that was the other thing is he worked for a family business like I did. And, um, and I understood the restraints of family business. Um, and he worked for an uncle who really paid him nothing. And he, um, it was awful. He, his uncle paid him nothing. And that I always laugh at you is I'm not laughing at you. I'm no, laughing at the stereotypicalness of no, it is. conversation. It is. Looking back, it is. So, so many follow the same thing. It's bizarre. I know. So he worked for this uncle. The uncle really did not pay him well at all. And the thing is about my husband is what he does for a living. He is really talented and he's really very good at it. And since that time, he has left his uncle and started his own successful business. I'm waving because I'm like, I helped him, even though I get told I do nothing. <laughs> and he w- he was in a lot of ways being held back there. Um, and he didn't have the confidence to go out on his own. So he didn't have a car, whatever. He said that was his car. But when they bought it, he had bought it and put it in her name and who, whatever. Who knows? I mean, there was a, a hundred reasons why not. So I bought a second car and I um I put it in his name and I paid for half of it and I financed the second half in both of our names because the other thing is is he grew up never knowing anything about credit. He didn't have credit. He he didn't he didn't have it debt, but he didn't have any credit. He was like a ghost. So I was like, well, you have to build credit. So this is what you're going to do. So I'm going to buy this car. I'm going to pay put half down. We're going to finance the second half, and I'll put your name on it, and that way you can start building credit. Right. So, so we did that. One of the things I've never done for him or never taught him anything. <laughs> so we did that. So then we went on this trip with my family for in May for Memorial Weekend to one of these islands. And when we came back, he said, oh, I have to go pick up my sister. And she was an hour away, like where he used to live, and bring her home to my mom. And I said, okay, that's fine. He said, do you want to come? And I said, no, we just got home. The kids are going back to school, uh, you know, on Tuesday. I'm going to pack, unpack and clean the house and get everybody settled. Just, you know, call you when you're on your way back. Said, I'll keep you company if you're tired driving at night. So he left, went down, came back, never called. And he took my Jeep. And 
the next morning I get a text message and this story also has significance because I'm just going to give you some milestones throughout the relationship. Yeah, yeah. So I get a text message the next morning from her. She's sitting on her bed and supposedly he just went straight to work the next morning. This is what he told me. He just drove back and went because it was three hours there and three hours. She's sitting on her bed taking a picture of him in her room wearing the clothes he had on the night before he left and going through the drawers. And... And then she took another picture of my Jeep parked in front of her house. So now I'm calling him and he's not answering. And so he comes like strolling in the house after work the next afternoon. And I was livid. I was so, I was like, what the hell is this? Justifiably so. And this story is significant because, so he clearly went there. So I think the story goes, she decided, he decided to take her for the ride since I didn't want to go because I wanted to stay home and make sure everybody was settled and in bed. And and he decided to go back to her house with her after. And this story is significant because when it didn't turn the way she wanted, she had him arrested for rape, attempted rape and assault for being at her house that day. Oh boy. And it's in between all this, she had had gotten a new boyfriend and that new boyfriend actually had shot at my husband <laughs> while he was driving my vehicle. And I'm like, what if I was driving my vehicle and they thought it was you? It's pretty awful. <laughs> so when that happened, uh... Police station was like, this just happened, and the police, like, they want more information. Should I tell them who it was, or should I tell them it was a random? And I said, you better tell them who it was. It could have been me. So, yeah, so um, so then I found out. So there's, like, a couple weeks later, he's driving to work, and he gets pulled over, and he gets arrested, because there's a warrant out for his arrest for this attempted assault. And... I was just like, oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. The same t- day he got, like like two days before he got arrested, I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, I'm still mad about this whole situation. And I was like, I just don't think I can do this. Like, I don't I don't think I can be with you. Like, I think you just need to go away and just let me handle this. Um, I drama. Like, I drama. Yeah. I, the anxiety that it caused. I'm a person who's never really had anxiety, but the anxiety that this was causing. And I was like, oh my God, and now I'm going to have another child. And and I have a, and he knows this about me, but I have a lot of hangups about my poor judgment in relationships and the fact that I've had children with more than one partner. Mm-hmm. And he, know, he, he knows that I have a lot of insecurity about that. So he went through this. So now I'm pregnant. He's arrested. It's awful and i'm embarrassed my family is gonna find out so i'm dealing with his mom and his uncle and i help him get out of jail and he starts dealing with this court case and in the beginning i didn't go with him to the court cases i was here taking care of my children his child and i was pregnant and i was working and months progressed and i would get random messages from her and at this point there was supposed to be a restraining order but then they've decided they're going to put a bracelet on him to make sure he doesn't go over there, right? So we're dealing with that. And around the time I was about seven or eight months pregnant, the, the court case just kept getting continued. And I said, you know, why don't you have a lawyer? I don't understand why you don't have a lawyer. So I went with him to the court. To Well, he can't afford his own car and never want a lawyer. And he could because now he's making a little bit more money. I've been, I've At this point, I've encouraged him. You need to give your uncle an ultimatum. You need to tell him this is what you need to make. This is what other people... What you're doing make and this is what you need to make or you're leaving he's not going to let you go call his bluff 
and he did, and it worked. So, so he's making more money now. So sucks because why couldn't you've been doing that all along? Yeah, I know. So I went with him to the courthouse, and she was there. She was there because she wanted the restraining order lifted so she could go over. And we got a lawyer. We met somebody there, and and the thing is, once I got involved, and I'm just gonna fast track this. It went very quickly. Because I sat there and presented all the evidence. I don't think he tried to assault her. I think she was mad. And I think the fact that she was sitting on her bed taking pictures of him, which I was able to show them, showed that she didn't feel like she was in danger. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. She was mad. So not that I'm protecting him, but I'm just, this is what the situation was. Right. At that time, I'm not going to say I didn't have a lot of feelings about her stalking me constantly either. And I, you know, and calling my ex and who called my dad and all that. Well, you're also supporting what maybe you thought was the lesser of two evils at the time. Yeah. And, you know, and here I am pregnant and it's just so much happening. So, so this whole time, like during this whole, I was like, while well, I was getting, still getting these messages and this whole court case was getting on, like I'm constantly arguing with him about her presence. And he kept telling me, listen, He's like, there's nothing going on between us. He's like, I know how she works. I just need to keep her at bay. Like, I can't. I was like, why don't you block her? She's still messaging you on social media. Like, what? I don't understand why you haven't just cut her out of your life. And he's telling me, I know how she operates. I know how she works. I just need to get out of this legal situation. Do you know why? Because I think I know why. Why she operates that way? No, I think he knows why. Because you, you asked, why are you keeping her in, in your life? Do you know why? Because I have my own thoughts on why what are your thoughts my thoughts are if you and him don't work out she'll still be his supply down the line absolutely that's what i think too and that's what i thought back then like you obviously there's a backup plan here you've got one foot in the door and one foot out the door so they always have to have a supply and waiting always yes yeah. yeah. so i will say that the minute i went there and i presented the case i had in my hands the bullet that was taken out of my vehicle wheel. Man, that's so wild. The 13,000 messages with threats and all this stuff that she sent to me, the pictures of the day of the event in question, and the and actually, while we were dating, I remember one night he showed up at my house and he his leg was, in, was cut open and he had a wrap and he said he went to the hospital, but... He didn't want stitches because he's like, I don't do needles. I don't do stitches. I don't do, I don't do anything. He doesn't do any of that. So, and he told me that he was at a party and there was a fight and he got caught. Plausible. So, let me ask you a question. So when all this is going on, right, are you saying to yourself, like, you're trying to get rid of this woman from his life? Or is there any part of you that's thinking, like, I don't need this much drama in there? Both. I'm thinking, okay, no, I don't want to be the one to get rid of her. I want to see him fight for me and get rid of her because I see all these good things about this guy and he's just got this crazy broad, but he's still doing things. So I'm like, okay, is he doing this because he's afraid it won't work out and he wants something to fall back on? What are you thinking about for your life? And And for my life and my kids, I'm thinking this has to end or I can't continue. Like, this is crazy. Like, this isn't real life, is it? Like, is this really happening? But yeah, real life. Uh, But I have entertained some interesting people in my life. And don't ask me why. Well, you got to figuring that out. So, you got to chase some boundaries in your life. So, so, yeah, he had been cut one night. And lo and behold, in my research during this court case, 
they put a restraining order on him, but there was already one on her, from her, on her because she was the one who stabbed him. <laughs> so all this stuff went, the case got thrown out. The judge was like, why is she not the one in jail? Case done. Boom. And I will say that the minute that case was done, I never heard anything from her ever again. I never got a text message. She was blocked on all of his stuff. She seemingly has disappeared from the face of the earth. All to this day, nothing. She probably was like, listen, I, she's probably thinking I don't need this much bullshit. That's very possible. She, I, the way it was presented. I, 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 she went out and got her healing. <laughs> oh, shit, she did. Uh, so the way he presented it was like, see, I told you, I just wanted to keep her at bay to get through this. Now we can go on with our lives. And do you still, do you still see her as crazy? Yes and no. I think that, I think that, she definitely has some ways about her because you would never see me stalk a man, uh, stalk a woman over a man. I wouldn't do it. My husband has cheated on me several times and I would never call another woman because one, it's not, I have nothing to do with her. They're a dime a dozen. It's him. Right. So that's why I think, I mean, listen, complete outsider perspective and we're only talking like this, but my perspective is he probably did her real dirty and hell have no fury like a woman scorned. And, and I'm sure the stalking is maybe a little overboard and maybe that's not what you would do. But man, like she probably went through the ringer. And when that court case was finalized, she probably went out and got her healing and moved on with her life. And I agree with that because there are, I have lost I have lost my crap in many, many ways. It just does. It's not projected on to other people. It's between him and I. Yes. So our lives went on. That case probably ended in the spring of um, late spring of 2015 because my daughter was born in March of 2015. And right around that time, so she was probably a couple months old when it ended and boom, life went on. And we went through the summer. We had a good summer. You know, I'm not going to say there weren't like a, there was, weren't some things and arguments and stuff that happened. But at that time, he was all like, very much about hearing me out and listening to what I had to say in the argument. And um, and then my sister got married in September of 2015. And there was no proposal or anything. He just asked, right, we got home from my sister's wedding. And he said, I want to marry you. Let's get married. And I said, okay. How <laughs> romantic. It, there was no, nothing romantic about it. It was just decided. And so we were married two months later. Literally weeks after we got married is when I saw that, that narcissism come out. And the first thing I can remember happening was we were going shopping. It was right before that. We got married in November. We were going shopping. It was right before Christmas. We were going to the specific store. And he said, do you have a coupon? And I said, yeah, I got one text to my phone. Okay, no problem. We go to the store and I open up the coupon to use it and it was expired. I missed that it had expired. And he flipped out in the store. How can I trust you if you lie to me? I was like, oh, I didn't lie. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> I was just wrong. I didn't lie. I didn't lie. I have a coupon. I didn't realize that it expired. I just knew that I got. Unbelievable. Those fights about. I was sitting in the store mortified because I had remembered some situations similar with my ex. And I thought, oh my God, this isn't happening again. Like, this is a coupon. Please tell me this isn't happening. 
And he just was going on. We were in the store for an hour while he ranted and raved about how he could not trust me as his wife if I continued to lie. And the thing about me is, is I'm not a liar. I am a give it to you straight. I cannot stand lying. It is what it is. Own your truth, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't have a need, a need to lie because I have never done a vindictive thing to a person in my life. I'm not saying I haven't said the wrong thing. I gotta thing. tell you, I gotta tell you, you're over, you're over explaining coupons right now. <laughs> you're just didn't lie. You just didn't. You were just wrong. And he, he is trying to gaslight you into believing that you lied over a You were just wrong. It was awful. It was awful. And then the second thing was my, so now that I'm married, my trying to get, and I already saw the jealousy popping up and without going into the details, my son, my son's father and my husband are from the same culture and there's some things there. And I saw some jealousy popping up and I, I really, I wanted my son to have a relationship with his father, even though I have issues there and I have concerns about his toxicity, but, um, so he wanted to bring my son to Florida for Christmas to see his other child. And I said, yeah, he can go with you. The mom's going to be there. I like her. She's fine. Because he had a child after my son, my son's father. And and the mom was nice. I had spoke to her. And I was like, yeah. And now at this point, my son's only five years old. So it's the first time he ever left me. And I'm a person who just does not separate well from their children, like for overnights or anything like that. Like I'm super anxious. So my son went away for his first week away from me. He was five. So we were coming back from my mother-in-law's after the Christmas holiday. And my, they were flying in that night. And I was really anxious to get home and to meet up with them and get my son back. And he just went into a rage over it. Like, I think it was actually, it might have been like New Year's Eve. He went into this rage. And at this time, I was pregnant again with my with my six. I have six children. One is his. She's mine now, and we'll get to that. But um, now I was pregnant again with our son, and so we got back to the house, and we were. I'm supposed to get my son, and then we were supposed to go out for this dinner with some friends. He went into this huge rage, and I'm like, "It's my son. I don't understand." And he was making it all about about my son's father, and I was like, "This has nothing to do with his father. It's my son. Like I." It's the first time he's ever left me. How can you not understand that I just want to get him back before we go out and be like done with it? And um, we actually got into a huge shoving match and over it. And yeah, it was it was it was a bad scene. And then just like it just turned off just like that. And we went out with our friends. Oh, my God. Again, we just didn't discuss it again. Christ. I used to say I used to say that all the time about my nets is like she would provoke the living shit out of me 10 minutes before people showed up and then people would show up and that light would switch like that and she would be giggling and happy and in love with me in front of other people in love with me and I'd be like still fucking pissed about what happened 10 minutes ago and then I'm still mad at her in front of like whoever's there her her and family and like, oh, you know, Mac doesn't treat her well because, well, you didn't see what she yeah. did. Yeah, I would always feel, I would have those same feelings and I would be like, yeah, but these people aren't seeing his head twist around on his head. You know, like, what is that movie? Yeah, yeah. What I'm watching right now. But, and I actually, I can always remember my grandmother. She's super old school and she'd always be like, when you're married, nobody should know you guys are having an argument. Yeah. When you do your... That's toxic as fuck. That's, that's super toxic. 
It is. It is. But it's. I also think that's a normal marital argument. Right. Yeah, you're giving advice. about a normal marital disagreement where it's nobody else's business and you don't want to make other people uncomfortable and, you know, you just deal with it later. You put it aside and you shelve it and deal with it later. That's under normal circumstances. And I was trying to apply that to my abnormal circumstances. So he would be like, oh, you're so fake. And I'm like, I'm not fake. It's just nobody else's business. Nobody else wants to be uncomfortable in our situation. But then if I did talk to people, why are you telling people our business? And he hated that I had a therapist, hated it. So needless to say, that was on our first year of marriage. So we went through our first year of marriage and we had some ups and downs like that. The next big event was I gave birth to our son in July. On New Year's Eve, of right after that July, so our son was probably five or six months old, he tells me one day, oh, he went through my phone and found messages between me and my son's father. The messages were, this is pickup time, this is drop-off time. He needs sneakers. This is what he needs. Just stuff like that. Not even a, hi, how are you doing? We're not friends. It was all business. Fair. And he, so my son's father sent me a text. He had a daughter who was older than my son. And her mother is actually one of my very best friends now. And, and, and just to throw this out there, my other daughters have two sisters that are the same age as them. It's one of hers, one of mine, one of hers, one of mine. Yeah. Yes. And their mother is also one of my best friends. Now. Interesting. So, so he had texted me and said, my, you know, my daughter's coming in. They moved, she, they moved across the country. Can you pick her up from the airport? And I said, no, I can't. And the reason I said that is because I could have, but with him, I set boundaries. If her mom had called me and said, I'm sending her out there, would you be able to pick her up? I would have said yes. But for him, I said no, because I had to set boundaries with him. My husband read these messages and went into a rage. Why does he even feel like he can ask you that? You're going to call him right now and tell him if he ever texts you again, you're calling the police. I said, I'm not going to call him and tell him that. I'm not going to text him and tell him that. I'm not going to say that. Because number one, we have a, a small child. Who the hell are you? Who the hell are you to tell me? Yes. This is the how fragile a relationship with your ex is that if it's at that like amicable state, do not fucking interfere with it. Because like, I'm sure it took a long time to get to that. And the thing is, because I've never been married before my husband, I, there was never any court agreements with my son's father. He... Pays his child support the same day every month. I've never had to ask for it. We agreed on an amount when we split up. He's paid it. He's. I've never had a problem getting it. He t- takes. He takes my son with the schedules. I give him the schedule, and he picked the week. The week that he could see him because he can only see him once a month. So I say, well, these are the weeks that work. This is what works for me, and he takes them that Please. week. So he has a lot of downfalls, but he was consistent with those things. So. Like if I switch it from a Tuesday to a Saturday, he'll go with that, you know? Right. So, and a lot of that, and I will admittedly say that a lot of that was my husband. Like I honestly probably would have let him take him more, but my husband really, really had this control jealousy thing. So, so he was mad. He was mad. Basically, I couldn't leave the house the entire weekend because he just was in a rage. And I called my mom and I was like, I just, can you come get the kids? Because he's just he's just off this weekend and I just the kids don't need to be around here so she took all of the kids except the two infants and I just stayed in the house listening to him rage at me all weekend long like he wouldn't 
like I would try and go to sleep. I was breastfeeding. I would try and go to sleep at night. He would let me sleep in the bed. He made me sleep in the living room. And then I would try and go to sleep on the couch. And he would tell me to get off of his couch and sleep on the floor. It was awful. And so that was like the next major incident. So that was at our year anniversary mark. And then from there until this point, there's just been a lot of ups and downs like that. That will go a couple months and it will be okay. And then there'll be an incident. And there are some points where it got really, really bad and it got physical between us. And I'll say that in probably 2019, we got into a physical altercation and I just said, you know what, if we're, this is the way it's going to be, we're, we're getting a divorce because this is abuse to our kids. We may not touch them. We may try and isolate ourselves while we're fighting, but they know, they know, they know what's going on. They're seeing mm-hmm. it and it's not good. So then that part of it stopped, but we would still argue and everything. And and I at all of this time, I didn't know about any of the cheating. I actually thought like, okay, this is really, really bad, but he is faithful, right? And then he went away in 2019 on a trip with his friend. And I've traveled a lot. I traveled with my parents quite a bit. So I think it's fantastic for people to have the opportunity. And he didn't grow up with that opportunity. So when his friend was like, I'm going to go to South America, would you like to come? And he was like, what do you think? And I said, go, like, that's fantastic. Oh, you know, I got, you know, I got it here. Like, go ahead and go. Like, so while he was in South America, he was being really weird. He was being really mean to me. And also just to make note, when I had my son in the hospital, when I had my daughter, he was like, fantastic best experience ever because none of none of my other children's fathers were there when they when I had my kids so it was like a really great experience when I had my daughter was just him and I and he was so supportive when I had my son you realize how low that bar is set yeah exactly that that bar is set pretty damn well being there for your kid's birth yeah and when I had my son he was really mean to me in the hospital and so that one was a little bit tough and I thought maybe he just, and but there was a, there was a visiting doctor and she changed the whole birth plan in the middle of the birth and it didn't go well. So I thought, well, maybe he was just scared or whatever. This all leads up to things I found out later. So he went away in 2019 and he came back and this is really personal embarrassing, but I started getting a yeast infection. I had never, ever had a yeast infection. I thought, well, you know, that's weird. So I went to my doctor and I was like, well, do you think my husband could have cheated on me? And she's like, no, you can't get that from sex. And I was like, okay, but this is really weird. Like I've never had one ever. I haven't changed anything. And it took me months to get it under control. Like I had went back to her a couple of times and I was mortified. Like, you know, I had never dealt with this. And so then we went through COVID, still have our ups and downs and our arguments. And we got into an argument one night. We had friends over. So we had these friends, they were quarantining and we were quarantining when we'd only get together with each other just so we could- Give human interaction. Yeah. So they would come to our house for one weekend a month. So they came over one weekend and they were visiting and we started getting into this argument, him and I. And he, like when we would argue, he wouldn't let me come out of the room. Like the whole blocking, I could totally relate to the blocking my path and not letting me get by. I actually tried to jump out my bedroom window a bunch of times because I just wanted to get away from he would follow me around the house and i would have to leave the house to go out what to go out the back door to come in the front door it was yes yes all kinds of stuff i actually ran up the road one day in my nightgown and then i was like okay where am i going like this and like i called my sister-in-law who lives next door to me thankfully and was like 
get me off the street. I just need to be out of the house and I'm not dressed properly to go anywhere. <laughs> so yeah, so it's just some crazy things. So um, yeah, just to summarize it all, I went through his phone and found all these messages on all these different apps like Snapchat, Instagram, just dozens of girls he had been messaging with. I found in one of the apps Dating back to 2016, he was having an entire relationship just after we got married and the entire time I was pregnant with my son. He had a whole relationship going on. And then and then going through the months after that, he was like, you're going to leave me. Please forgive me. And I was like, I need to see these changes in order to stay in this. And it would seem like he was making the changes. And I just was having he even agreed to go to marriage counseling. And that was going good for a little while until until I still didn't trust him. I went through his phone and found a video of him having sex with someone on his trip to South America. Oh my God. Yeah, that was just this past fall that I found that. And when I found that and brought it up in marriage counseling, he decided the marriage counselor was on my side and he quit. And it's just been not good ever since. It's just been not good. And it, I've just been no I've known since then that I just need to get out. Yeah, well, you say that, so that's where we're at now. Yeah, that's, that's where we're at now. I mean, we're not even speaking. Like, he hasn't talked to me in like two weeks. He loves to ignore me for weeks on end, and I don't care. All the things I used to do. He has a special diet by his choice. There's all these things he won't eat. He doesn't eat any meat. He ha- like he only likes a certain variety of foods, and I have to find a thousand different recipes to make. I home cook all of his meals. I would send him with a packed bot lunchbox to work. I don't. I'm stopped doing all of that. I do not. I get it. Well, so let's go into why we started this episode in the first. Yes, you're still with it. Yes. Okay, so I could say it's the kids. That's a big part of it for me, but. To try and sum it up and not be long-winded, I'm learning a lot of things about myself and my upbringing, and some of your episodes have brought out some points to me. Um, I can't remember who it was. Um, it was the guy who talked about empath- empaths being gifted children who weren't taught about their gifts. Oh, Adam from Talking yeah. Anonymous? That, okay, episode, cool. that episode was, like, mind-blowing to oh me. God. I don't know if you're listening to this. I've gotten so many good reactions from that. Yeah. To me, because one, I was an extremely, I'm not a stupid person. I'm a pretty intelligent. Oh, you seem really, listen, if if they've gaslighted you to think you're crazy or you're stupid or something, you seem really intellectual and and really well-spoken. And I get the story. I completely understand the story. But, you know. Sorry. Um, Well, the thing is, is I'm an educated person. Uh, I'm really, really good at my job. I'm really, really good at all the things that I do. I just didn't have that much confidence in myself. So I'm learning a lot about what happened in my past that made me be okay with these things. And one of the things that I'm learning is my dad. And I love my dad. And I actually work for my dad. I've worked for my dad for 15 years. We own four businesses that him, my brother, and I roam together. And my dad is the narcissist and I didn't know it. And my experience with him was not the same as what my mom's is and she sheltered us from that and she and i've been having a lot of conversations because i would i've really been opening up to her since i decided after i saw that video and i decided i don't think i can stay here i've really been opening up and talking to my mom a lot more about what's going on and about him and his personality and she just keeps shaking her head saying oh my god i'm so sorry you married your dad 
And my parents have been divorced since I was seven years old, and I never wanted to be with my dad. So you're saying you're saying that your husband and your dad share similar narcissistic personalities. So it's almost like it trains you to stay in trouble. It, it was normalized for me. I thought my the thing is is he doesn't have my dad doesn't have all the traits. So when I would have never pegged him for that, but through my mom's eyes, I can see it. But he has a lot of really tough personality traits, and I believe I thought no, this is just how guys are. They're tough. Yeah, they're not. They're not. I promise <laughs> you, they're not. It was normalized for me. Well, let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What are some of your fears? about getting a divorce all right so yeah because i don't want to get off track i do do that um so his daughter is a big thing for me because now she is 13 almost 14 and she's been with me since she's five and people are always saying to me but that's not your child you have to think about your kids but it doesn't feel like that it doesn't mm -hmm. there were times when my kids would question okay you didn't give birth to her how are you her mother like she calls me mom she comes to me it when she needs stuff. I talk to her now. I'm the one who's been teaching her things. And I it's like I explained to my kids, if you adopt somebody, you don't just decide it's not working out, you're not gonna be right. their parent anymore. I am extremely bonded to her and I know if he goes, he's gonna take her. And he's threatened it many, many times. And I have legal rights to her and I'm scared for her because one, I see the damage that she's gone through based on one, her mother leaving. Two, the re what the circumstances around that being thrown in her face, and and you're a strong female presence for her. Yeah, and I also see some concerning behaviors in her, like the lying. She's been lying since she came to me, and I've worked really hard with her on the lie. And in all those years, we're just now making progress. Mm -hmm. And I worked so, and I, I see some concerning behaviors in her that in that environment without me. It scares me and I don't want to see her, the quality of her life change. It also scares me to share my children with him. It does. Yeah. He knows. I've explained he has some risky lifestyle behavior. Yeah. I was saying to my sister the other day, I said, I actually, I'm starting to realize that I feel responsible for him because I feel like being with her. Of course you do. And I feel like being with me has changed his lifestyle. He came from a completely different type of living. But here's the thing, though. But he doesn't value it. He does not value it. So if he no. doesn't value it, what good is it? It's like sitting with a million dollars in the bank and saying you're broke. I know. And I get that. And I know. And the thing is, is I know he's a narcissist. And I pinpointed that a while ago. And then I was looking for, I was looking for stuff about gaslighting, which is how I found you, because I wanted more information about gaslighting. And I wanted to understand the concept of gaslighting more. And that's when I, I got your podcast and I've learned about all these other terms. And I've learned tons more than I thought I already knew. I am not sitting here in denial. I don't, I think I've gone through the hurt. I think I've done the crying and I'm sure I'm going to do some more. I'm not afraid of a super messy divorce because. One, I know he hates the legal system and wants to avoid it at all costs. I don't think he wants to raise all of these kids by himself and put a hindrance on his social lifestyle. I mean, most times he doesn't even come home until three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Last night it was four. Yeah. But here's the thing, right? Like, and don't take this the wrong way, but you don't know what you don't know, right? And, and I'm a little bit, well, I'm a lot of bit far, farther along in this game than you. And- yeah. I can tell you with conviction, it gets harder before it gets better. 
And I, I heard what you said and you said, you know, you're all cried out and that's fine. Um, I can tell you for me, it got harder before it got better. And it really truly felt like, you know, almost like putting your hand against a burning stove and not being able to take it off. The, yeah, the, pain, said, the pain, the pain was immense, immense. And, and I, I really like going back and looking at it, like I would dread going through that, you know, and I, I wouldn't sit here and try and convince you of that. But I can sit here and tell you that once you go through that inordinate amount of pain, God, the skies are bluer and, and the trees are greener and, you know, the coffee is stronger and the food is more delicious and the women are more beautiful and everything, everything in life is so much better. But like I said, you don't know what you don't know. And um, I hey. for your sake, you're right. I hope you're right. But for the same token, there's a lot to go through. I agree that when the actual divorce comes about, and I know it's going to come, I know it is because these situations don't end in happy endings. They just don't. I get that. I'm in all that understanding, and I know I have a lot more to feel. I get all that. As far as despair, those feelings, I mean, does it get much worse than watching a video of your husband having sex with another woman? No, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I mean, it's at least at least you have that bit of acceptance. You know, like you you seem like you're better in the acceptance department than I am. You know, I, well, I also went through this before and I know and I've figured out that you don't die from a broken heart. You've mm -hmm. got to a couple of them and you don't die from them. You get down there and you feel like it, but you do have a back. So I do know that from prior experience. And I know that this is different because it's the first time I've been married and and there are still many things that I care about him. But the other big thing that I didn't touch too much on, and I'm just going to mention it, is he has not been good to my son. And uh, one of those trips that he took, he brought back a gift for every kid except my son. Why? I can't figure it out, but he cannot bond with my son. And he has not taught him anything. He has not played the parental role that I have played for his daughter. And recently with my son hitting puberty, he is starting to act a little bit like him and a little bit like his dad. And I think that has been a huge thing for me because yeah. in the past six months, my son's behavior has started to get really challenging and he's rude to me and he's mean to me. And this is a little boy who just thought I walked on water. Well, and the sooner, the sooner, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but the sooner that you sever that example you know, the, the better off things will be. You know what I mean? And I said to my mom a couple of weeks ago, I, I was telling her about my son's behavior. And she said, well, you're going to not like what I have to say, but I'm going to say it. She said, I think that when your husband acts a certain way, he sees you try harder. So he's yeah. mimicking his behavior. And I said, I'm not mad. You're so right. And I have got to do something. Right. So now it's just figuring that something out. And to answer your friend's question, why do you stay? <laughs> it's so many different things. Empaths are built different from other people. And it's not to say we're more sensitive. It's not to say that those people don't have the same feelings as we do. There's reasons we're built different. Maybe it's because of like, you know how narcissists, they say, you know, this is how you're hardwired, but then it can be activated by different things. It's the same thing for empaths. This is how we're hardwired and then we're activated by different things. It's just the opposite extreme. Mm -hmm. And so where they're so like desensitized, we're extra sensitive and it's yeah. hard. And it's I, hard. Yeah, anybody who's listening to this right now, anybody who's listening to this right now, 
can completely identify with you. We know how hard it is. I, I just really wanted to hear it from your mouth about why you stay. And, right. And so I would say to your friend, think about if you ever lost somebody that you really, really wanted it to work out with and you felt that disappointment that it didn't work out and multiply it times a hundred. And I'm sure your friend is a person who really believes in commitment and is a committed person. And it's like, you're dealing with so many different emotions. And depending on what your your individual circumstances are, whether it be kids or this or that, you're dealing with so many different emotions and it's hard to focus. You lose focus. It's like being ADD. <laughs> on steroids. Yeah, because you cannot sit there and think, okay, I got to make sense of this. I got to, I, it's like trying to rationalize the irrational and you're like a dog chasing its tail. Like, you're just traveling a million things with only two hands. Like, it caught up, finally fall over. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, listen, Rebecca, we're coming to the end of the hour. I really feel like we did accomplish what I wanted to accomplish with this episode. So I thank you so much for coming on here. I know anybody who's listening to this can absolutely relate to you. We've all gone through it. And I know anybody who's who's listening to this when this episode comes out is going to be going, I'm praying for her. I'm really rooting for her. And I know I am. And I think you did a great job. And I really appreciate you. So, well, thanks for having me on. I hope it helps anybody who was still in the relationship. Just keep fighting for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm rooting for you. So, everybody, thank you so much to Rebecca for doing this episode. Um, thank you for listening to this. And uh, until next time, everybody.